Listener Production. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Willow Talk. This is like Ashes Talk again, up early to review a game of cricket that Australia played overnight. The Australian men, and they didn't they get it done over in South Africa in the first of three T20s, absolutely smashed the hosts. 226 they posted. Thank you to Mitchell March, 92 not out, and Tim David, 64. And then South Africa in response, Tanvir Sanger, the hero with the ball, if you want to have a look uh, directly at the figures. With four wickets on day debut, 115 all out South Africa. Brad Haddon couldn't have done any better. I, I can't pick a hole in this from Australia's point of view. That's outstanding. No, even can I, Adam? It was a brutal display. Um, it was a great start for Mitchie Marsh with his captaincy. The, the way the Australians played, um, there was a time at the top of the order where they lost three for eight, but they, they kept taking the game on. Marsh and, and Tim David put a, a great partnership on. And they were brutal. Um, they, they weren't looking for ones at all. And they are just looking for the boundaries. So it, it was a great start from the Australians and uh, a great start for, for Mitch Marsh. We, we need to find some leaders and uh, he started well. Yeah, running through the scorecard, for those who haven't had a chance to have a look at the, the highlights yet, I'd um, advise you to have a look at some of the highlights of Mitch Marsh and Tim David in particular. But Matt Short and uh, Travis Head opened and Travis Head wafted at one outside uh, off stump. He was done for. Matt Short got going, but um, hold out in the end. Josh Inglis never got going. Marcus Stornis, one good shot, and then he was out. But that partnership you mentioned there between Marsh and David, it was 97, and it was brutal. It was under 10 overs, that 97 as well. There was one shot Tim David hit Hads that went the level of the roof of the grandstand. And I don't reckon, if it didn't hit the grandstand, I reckon it would have gone about 140 metres. Yeah. Well, what I liked about the partnership as well is is they lost three for eight, Australia. I thought Short did his role at the top of the order. Him him and Marsh played well. They put 63 on off 42 balls. They were very explosive in that power play. But to come in under a little bit of pressure, uh, they're a different team. They've lost a lot of their uh, more senior players. But... Tim David and Marsh, it wasn't about building your innings. Um, it's Marsh had put the style on the team that he wanted to play. They wanted to take the game on, and that's exactly what David and Marsh did. They took the game on from from ball one when they came together, and, and they were just brutal. Um, the South Africans had no answer, whether it was spin or, or pace. It, the ball kept flying to all parts of the ground in Durban. Mitch Marsh, when he gets going like that, and he spoke after the game, and he was typical Mitch Marsh. He didn't want to talk about himself. Yeah. I mean, you look at it now, he should retire as captain. I don't know how it gets any better. But when he gets going like that, it was shades of what he did in the ashes with that century. It was just like really get going over leg side and then everything else opens up and he's just seeing it so well. Well, you, you talk about all, all around the world, you, you talk about guys like Josh Butler, the power they have, how they can turn a game. This is why we've been so excited for for Mitch Marsh for, for over a decade. It's a power that he has. Uh, he can turn a game in the blink of an eye. The, the boundary fielders aren't an option. If he's got his eye in, uh, the, the ball will fly. Um, if he's got his base right, he's, he looks like he's done a lot of work on his techniques. He's got a really solid base. I think... Going to Delhi for some time with Ricky Ponning certainly played a big part in in the, his development over the last twelve months, and and we're starting to see a bit of that reward now that we've all known um, in the inner sanctum about Mitch Marsh. What do you mean base? What's that? Just keeping your weight down so you're you're using your power through the ground. 
Yeah, he's he's got a he's got stable feet. Um, he, he's not hitting the ball with his hands. He's hitting the ball with his as silly as it sounds with with his feet. He's got a solid base, so it allows him to to swing the bat through the line. And and he only has to connect fifty percent, and the ball will go. Um, he played smart as well uh, last night as well. After losing those wickets, he. He took control of the game, put the pressure straight back on the the South African bowlers, and didn't give them a, a time to dictate the game. So he's starting to develop nicely. I, I think the captaincy sits well with him. Uh, you can hear by his, his interviews, uh, he's, he's a pretty relaxed character. But in saying that, the the style of game that they played looked like they were all really, really clear on, on what they wanted to do. Even young Aaron Hardy came in; he got twenty three off fourteen balls. Second ball, he reverse swept. Um, that, that's the first game for Australia. Hit that for four. It, it shows he's got a really clear mind and, and really clear about what the team wants from everyone. Yeah, just on Mitch, Mitch Marsh, we caught up with him before he flew out to South Africa, and you can have a look at uh, or have a listen to that in the uh, Willow Talk archives um, from last week or the week before. And also, we've got a chat coming up later in the show with Sean Abbott, who's had uh, a fair bit of cricket over the last four months and it was involved here, not the start of the show in the first T20, but always interesting to catch up with Sean Abbott, good fella. Um, just quickly on Tim David, how big is that for him, 64 off 28, when, remember he was called into the T20 operation last year as a bit of a wild card for the, the T20 World Cup, never really got things going, but did here in Australian colours. Yeah, but this is what we want to see. We want to see consistent performance from Tim David. Um, he's a new prototype player. He hasn't played um, any first-class cricket. Uh, he came from playing for Singapore into the into the Australian cricket team. So, yeah, he's he's got to do well in, in these situations, uh, and this is what we want to see because uh, I know it's a long shot, but if, if he shoots the lights out in, in South Africa, he's a slim chance for the Australia's 50-over uh, World Cup squad. Someone like him coming in at, at number six or seven at the back end of the game who who can clear the boundary, who, who can win a game that, that looks like it's out of reach. So, yeah, it's a it's going to be an interesting tour. I, I don't think he's in that 15 yet, but I think with some outstanding performances, he, he could make the selectors definitely have a conversation around the World Cup. Ever been to Singapore to play cricket? No, I'd like to. Ah, oh, bet you would. Maybe we can do a show over there. <laughs> That's another place we've got to go to. <laughs> now, in response, well, South Africa tried to get things going. They were, they were ticking along okay. They, they um, lost Bavuma really early on, but they were one for 47 in the fifth over. So you're thinking, okay, they're, they're going after this. They had to. They had no choice. But then it was it was collapso time, and Tanvir Sanger was at the centre of it. Hads. Uh, does this shock you that he's taken four for and he's taken – He's ripped apart the middle order of South Africa. No, Australian cricket have known about Tanvir Sanger for some time. He, he spent the whole last season off with stress fractures in, he, in his back. Um, we, we've seen him the, the previous years do really well for the Sydney Thunder. Um, he's a thinking cricketer. He's a traditional leg spinner. He'll think you out. He's, he's got a, a big bag of tricks. But to come and do that after not playing any cricket for 12 months to get four wickets at one stage is on a hat-trick. And I like the style he got his wickets too. He got a nice one just to drift in, go past the outside edge of Stubbs' bat, get stumped sharply actually by Josh Inglis. But to not play any cricket for 12 months and come out and do this for Australia after just arriving uh, in the country, he he's pretty special. We've known about him, but now we just need to see him play cricket. Yeah, and... Perfect scenario in a way last night. Huge total to defend. Um, team on top. Not that they were totally on top 
when he got thrown the ball, but he was able to, you know, turn the game totally back in Australia's favour. Yeah, and that shows the the temperament. It's as I said, they've known about him for some time, and that hasn't just been he, he, that he's got a quality leg spin. You, you see him in the field as well. He had a presence about him. He wanted to get involved in the game, but it's that temperament that, that they've seen under pressure. Um, he's bowled all the big overs as, as a young age for for the Thunder, and and now all we need is, is his development. We need him to play as much international cricket as he can, get exposed, come back to New South Wales, and and dominate there and. And then we've got another spinning option in the Australian setup. I think, yes, we're going to see him a lot in the, the white ball, but I think his true strength is going to be in, in the red ball. Yeah, so Tampa Sanger with four, uh, Aaron Hardy with the, a few runs at the end of the innings, and also Spencer Johnson with two late wickets at the death, playing the Stark role, if you like. So Big Spencer gets a couple of wickets on debut as well. So all the debutants fire. What do you make of Marcus Stoinis opening the bowling as well? Well, I've seen it a couple of times actually at the back end of the IPL. The, the one thing Marcus Stoinis has made a name for himself in recent times is his death bowling. A, a lot of change-ups, uh, he hits the block hole really well. He's got uh, slow balls out of the front and the back of his hand. But the, one of the strengths he always had was the ability to swing the ball. Um, and, and when you start in the 2020, um, the first couple of overs, if you've got the, the ability to swing the ball, that brings wicket options into, into play. So, one... I know we've talked about it a couple of times, but depends what the wickets are like at the back end of a, the 50-over World Cup. Marcus Soinis might be a, able to play a role there, swinging the ball. So I like that he's had the opportunity up there, senior player, give me the ball, um, and he did his role perfectly, swinging the ball early. How good. Well, in the postscript, here's uh, Mitch Marsh talking about one of the debutantes, um, not Johnson, not Hardy, but Tanvir Sanger uh, for his four wickets. Look, he's done that in the Big Bash and for New South Wales for the last couple of years, and he's a fantastic young talent. Um, flew in yesterday, wasn't playing. Adam Zampa was sick today, and to come in and do that, um, he's got great character, and I think he's going to fit right in in international cricket. As I said at the top, Hads, Mitch Marsh was asked a question or two about his own performance, and he's like, yeah, blah, 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 but happy to make someone else look like a king. So that's, uh, that's Mitchell's captaincy. Yeah, he doesn't want to make it about him. Uh, he probably will now later in the night in the, in the <laughs> change room when they're enjoying the, the victory. But as he said, Tan Sang, he, he just arrived 24 hours before he wasn't in the team. They put him in. He did a job. He got four wickets. It, it just shows uh, that the talent we have at, at our disposal as well. And, and I, also, it's a learning curve for Mitch Marsh having to do the post-match press conferences and the 24 hours before the game where he's got a speech. So he... He's put his own style on on this team and, and the style that they played was to clear your head and take the game on and, and that's exactly what they did with bat and ball. The impressive thing with the ball also is they looked to get wickets the whole time. Uh, they weren't about containing, they were about trying to, to take wickets and shut the scoreboard down and as you said, they, they got off to a, a decent start but they, they lost four for 22 and, and that was a lot to do with the Australians' mindset of looking to get wickets. Leads us into uh, a stat or two as well about uh, wickets. Um, Sanger's four wickets is equal most on T20 international men's debut for Australia, equaling four for 29 taken by, can you think? Casper. Oh, <laughs> you did not know that. You read that before you came on, surely. Mate, I do it. It was over in uh, South Africa, wasn't it? Uh, New Zealand, unlucky. It was in the very Close. first T20 in 2005. Did you play on that one or Gilly play on that one? Oh, no, I, I didn't play in that one. I played in a, a really early one at, uh, I thought, one of the first at the Gabba against South Africa. Yeah. 
That's oh, before well. Australia took uh, 2020 seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Edward Johns wasn't playing for Australia that day. No, he played no, for himself last. Yeah, he just missed out on selections. Um, yeah, <laughs> the game he played drunk as a skunk didn't uh, quite get him in. No, no, it didn't endear him to the selectors. Um, fifth wicket partnership at 97, as mentioned before, between Marsh and David is the highest for Australia. Previous best was 83 between Ricky Ponting and Simon Kadic in the very first T20 international against New Zealand in 2005. So there you go. Breaking records. Feels like a new era for the T20 team. Going back to the start. There you go. Now... The ball boys around the boundary actually were wearing the, the whole uh, series sponsored by KFC, feeding them everywhere, the colonels everywhere. But they were wearing KFC helmets and they needed them um, uh, when Timmy David was getting going. I mentioned the 60 hit before. One kid was dragged out the way from a traceable at 60. I don't think he was quite paying attention. He kind of looked like he had the, the headwear on. But uh, yeah, they've, uh, it's, it's a dangerous place to be. Anywhere in the vicinity of Tim David's getting going. Well, with with the power of some of the, the modern day players hit the ball, it, it's a smart thing. I've seen it a number of times in India. Uh, the ball boys have the the helmets on it. And what you've got to remember as well, they're, they're only young, like 13, 12-year-old boys who who are out there watching their idols. Sometimes they, their concentration spans not always watching the cricket. They're, they're looking around the crowds. And, and the way these modern day players hit it up, it's extraordinary that more people in the crowd don't get injured. I remember a game at North Sydney Oval. Cameron White went nuts. And, and I remember the, the New South Wales change room looked like an emergency ward. You had, had um, People had, had fractured eye sockets, broken oh, jaws. The, yeah, it was, um, it, it, was, oh, it was horrible actually to, to witness. But it, it is with the, the bats getting better, the players getting stronger, it, it can be dangerous in the crowd if you're not watching. So it's a smart move, that. Not as dangerous as it was for Mgini, the oh. uh, the South African bowler who is not a batter, and well, to put it lightly, he was wearing them as earrings after getting hit down there. Um, that looked awful. Like that looked truly awful. Yeah, it was only awful for one player. Oh. Um, a- as you know that. The rest of us take great humour in, in seeing someone get hit in the wheels. Um, I, I remember uh, getting a really good one from um, Freddie Flintoff at Lords. I, I remember he came down the slope. Uh, he, he got me flush and, and, and I tried not to show any pain. So he's staring at me. I'm trying to stare him back. And we, we had a little bit of a oh, standoff for 10 se- seconds and as he turned to walk back I, I started to dry reach um geez I felt sick and I, I didn't want to I didn't want to show the English that I was in pain so I, I didn't check it, uh if I still had the two boys there um so I kept batting next ball was exactly the same oh, no. and, and I was just good enough to to move out of the way sway and let it go through the keeper uh, and then it was drinks so I had an opportunity there to check and I pulled my um, box out in three pieces. If that second delivery had it got me, it, it wouldn't have been a very good sight for anyone. You wouldn't have been celebrating Father's Day as you might will this weekend. Put it that way. No, no, I wouldn't have been. So it's yeah, as I said, it's it was only it was an interesting technique they they were using. I don't know whether it's called the bicycle technique or to try to get some, I don't know whether you can say blood back in it, but. It's the shake and bake. <laughs> shake and bake, baby. <laughs> oh, it's, as I said, it's it's only uncomfortable for one because there's not one other person on the ground that gives you any sympathy. 
Well, it's summed up South Africa's night in their first of the three T20s. The second one is the same time slot on Saturday morning, Australian Eastern time. So Friday night, Australian Eastern time, Saturday morning, 2 a.m. start. But the the third one on Sunday is a bit more friendly. It's uh, I think it's a 10 p.m. start Eastern time. Yep. So yeah, the three one uh, three T20s and then some one dayers on the way in South Africa and we'll be all over it here on Willow Talk. Off to a quick break. We're going to hear from Sean Abbott after the break. Welcome back to Willow Talk in reflective glory of Australia's opening T20 uh, win in South Africa and part of the squad overnight, part of the 11, was Sean Abbott. He's been playing a stack of cricket recently and I spoke to Sean before he flew over to South Africa talking about his role as an all-rounder, where his balance is, bowling, batting, English county cricket, where he starred over there this Australian winter, and Steve O'Keefe. There's always stories about Steve O'Keefe. Well, Sean, how was uh, the winter away from Australia, playing cricket the whole time in an English summer? How was that for you? Brilliant, to be honest. Pretty fortunate to have been at Surrey for the whole time, like great setup, obviously a great ground as we everyone would have seen in that last test match and the, the test championship final as well. Yeah, it was a great group to be around for four months. You know, we've, we've been playing some good cricket, probably a little bit disappointing through the blast, you know, to only have, you know, made the semi. I think we're a much better side than that, but whole lot of fun and it was good just to get the head down, bum up and just grind away for four months playing cricket. Because you play a lot there. Like, I mean, they've got so many competitions, it's almost like they've got too much cricket for the calendar as it is. But there's Blast, there's the 100, there's the County Championship, there's a 50 over competition as well. Did you train at all or was it just all playing? (laughs) No, to be honest, I much prefer to just be playing and, Mm. you know, learning from playing competitive matches as opposed to going and doing technique work in the nets or just turning up to training because that can be a bit monotonous sometimes whereas you know we're all quite competitive at this level so you want to go out and you know keep those competitive juices flowing so to speak so playing matches you know it is quite like there was certainly times throughout the summer where I was talking to my wife Briere I'm like you know I need a break here but then you just get into the next game and mm. you know the lads look after you and that's why I say I was pretty fortunate to be around such a good group of guys. So you went over as a family over there? Yeah yeah my two girls were with me Briere and Ella and yeah like I said just it felt like being part of the family, the Surrey family, when we were there, there was a few Aussie guys. You know, Daniel Worrell plays there now. He used to play for the South Australian Redbacks, played a couple of games for Australia yep. as well. And to be honest, it's sort of similar feeling back here at home around the Aussie guys and at the Blues. So we've got obviously got a bit more work to do at the Blues. So um, Surrey has a reputation as they get it right. Like there's, what, 18 county championship teams yeah. over there, first division, second division. There's the haves and have-nots, but they're part of the haves. Yeah, I mean, they're... They're certainly, you know, up at the point end of the season every year, defending champions this year. And I think the way that they've been playing, and you look at their list, I think they'll do well to lose it this year. I mm. mean, there's, there's a couple of teams that are coming home pretty strong. But, you know, it's obviously you know, the, the home ground's the Oval. They're in the middle of London. It's obviously quite a desirable team to come and play for. <laughs> um, but, you know, the coach, Gareth Batty, and Alex Stewart, the director of cricket, they they get the lads going in the right direction. They're led pretty well by Rory Burns as well. So it's a great change room to be a part of. Has baseball infected any of the counties yet and the way that, that they want their teams to play? Because here in Australia, every state, basically, they're judged on test players, yeah. producing test players. Whereas over there, it feels like it's more, oh, we want Surrey to do well. We want Yorkshire to do well. And if uh, England does well, we're good on them. I think I noticed it more with guys that were on the fringes of the English side. You'd, you certainly... You know, you come up against Dan Lawrence, say, who plays for Essex, and 
He had no business playing some of the shots he tried to play uh, at that stage of the game and we played at their home ground. But obviously some guys feel the need that they have to play like that to mm. be a part of that English side. But then, you know, I played with guys like Dom Sibley who played, he's obviously played test cricket and he got us home one game against Kent. We chased down 500 and he got not out, you know, got 100 off a million balls, um, <laughs> but saw us home and we had plenty of time to spare. So there's still lots of guys who are happy to just go about their business. Um, but there's certainly, I've just noticed it more with guys that, you know, think they are on the fringes or guys that are, or younger players that are trying to play like that to be part of the current setup. What's a better standard, Shield cricket or county? I think Shield cricket's definitely a better standard. Obviously, the talent pool's condensed into mm. uh, much less teams. But I certainly thought the standard of cricket over there was, you know, very high. Played against some bloody good cricketers. But I might be biased a little bit and think that, you know, the standards here is a bit higher. But I was also playing in a very good cricket team um, mm. at the same time. Best road trip in county cricket? <sighs> There's a few. And did the family stay back in London yeah. when you get these road trips? They came away on a couple. They came okay. to finals day. Uh, that was a lot of fun. There was a few Aussies playing for Hampshire on finals day. Um, Nathan Ellis and Ben McDermott. So I got to see them and their families. And, you know, obviously James Vince plays for the Sixers, Captain's Hampshire. So um, that was a good trip for them to come on. Plenty of celebrating. Manchester at the start of the year was good. That's about a five hour road trip. Yep. So good fun on the back of the, on, you know, coming home on the bus. So, um, yeah, I'll probably have to say Manchester, to be honest, just because of the length of time on the bus. What, so Manchester, because of the roadies that you could get in on the way home, pretty <laughs> yeah. is it pretty raucous by the time you're coming through the through Watford? Oh, look, it might have been if we'd won, but it was a draw, oh, uh, okay. first game of the season. But there were some, the lads did share with me a few stories from their last game last year. They'd, they'd wrapped up the championship. Yeah. Over there, it's obviously first past the post, not that they don't have a final. And their last game was up at Manchester at Old Trafford and they'd already won. So yeah. there wasn't much time spent in the warm-ups. There might've been a few guys or a few, I mean, everyone bar the two blokes batting asleep in the change room <laughs> waiting to bat. I think they had a pretty good week without much sleep. So, um, <laughs> but at the same time, much to uh, Lancashire's, you know, delight because they ended up, because they beat Surrey, yeah. they jumped Hampshire on the table and ended up in second. So okay. I think they were pretty happy to push the boys out that week. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Personally, what do you consider yourself as? A, a bowling all-rounder, straight-up all-rounder? <laughs> Your batting's improving. Yeah, it's improving and, you know, I'm quite competitive. So I'm always trying to work on that and try and have an effect on matches with the bat as well wherever mm. I can and get myself in those match-winning situations. But I'm, I certainly think my bowling is what gets me picked in sides and why teams like Surrey want me to come over. And if I can score some runs, that's, you know, that's a bonus. But... You know, certainly when I walk out to bat, I judge myself as mm. a batter. And if I play not the way I like, I sort of judge myself as a batter and get a bit angry with myself. So but I definitely say I'm more of a, <laughs> a bowler who bats. I mean, you, you look at the depth in positions that you can play in, in a, in a test lineup, for instance, where do you see a gap in the market there where a possibility that you can, you can dive in there and be a consistent member of that team? I'm not sure there are any gaps, are there? I'm going to have to get stuck into a few ankles at training. Um, <laughs> That's the way to go about it. Yeah. It's I a mean, desperate way to go about it, but it's a way yeah, to go about it. You've got to do what you've got to do sometimes. <laughs> um, it's a pretty tough question, to be honest. Like, I feel like my cricket's been trending in the right direction or the way I want to go for a while, for a few years now. But obviously our bowlers are so bloody good. Uh, yeah. They're all making strong cases to be some of our best ever. And then you have guys like Scotty Bowen who've been dominating shield cricket. They get their opportunity and mm. take the mickey out of an English side at his home ground in an Ashes test. And that was just something that we'll all remember for a long time. You have Michael Nessa come in and do really well. 
And then you have guys like Josh Jai Richardson, who's been mm. injured. He's obviously a gun. Um, and then Lance Morris, who's bowling absolute rockets. So I feel like there's plenty of depth there at the moment. So it's, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to stay in my own lane a little bit. And, you know, mm. hopefully an opportunity, you know, comes my way. And whatever, you know, whatever the position that is in, in, in the team, I'll just yeah. grab it with both hands and then, yeah, try and do my best to win a game. But in another era, it's like, okay, if I can't get into the test team, it's I'll play a bit of state cricket, maybe play a bit of county, mm. and then on the spare weekend go and play some grade. Mm. Current era, player of your talent, it's I could just go on the whirlwind tour and play about 10 different franchise cricket <laughs> competitions. Yeah, Where does that around. sit with you at the moment, those opportunities? Yeah, I mean, my number one ambition is to play test cricket for my country, and I love playing red ball cricket. I love, you know, the challenges that that brings and – you know, we just don't play that much cricket here. Like if I'm if I'm running drinks for the Aussie team for mm. over the summer, I basically miss all the cricket back here uh, for the Blues. So, you know, that's sort of why I went over to to play for Surrey, and hopefully that continues for a number of years. But you know, it is there's there's competitions popping up everywhere, and then mm. you have guys come back and say that it was ran really well. Like the guys just went and played the major league over in over in the states, and it was quite surprising to hear them come back and say, you know, it was really well run. I think it's going to be even better next year. And that that's only two weeks, I think, it went for out of your year. And you're like, well, I can just pop over and play that if they want me in their team. And you're like, well, you do have that sort of thought in your mind. But hopefully, I just probably a little bit naive at times. Hopefully, you can play in those without taking away from the journey of trying to become a test cricketer and hope you can have sort of everything. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough question because there's so many. To go and play cricket like somewhere in the States would be amazing. Like, mm. we all... Most people would enjoy going on a sort of a paid holiday to the States and get whacked around a little bit. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's certainly been thought about, but firm ambitions to play test cricket for mm. Australia. Oh, mate, I've got firm ambitions to get in on that media junket over there <laughs> somehow. Yeah. I wish the listener at Triple M would pipe up for the rights. Ewan, is that any chance? No? Oh, he's trying his best, yeah. Well, <laughs> the NRL boys are going to Vegas. I can't say what yeah, we saw, should do. I saw that. I think they can fit a cricket ground in there, can't they? In Vegas. Would you get there? If you put a, what do you reckon? If, if you could play for cricket in any part of the world not in Australia and it was a it popped up it's a franchise and we've got this team right here where are you thinking oh I think if you were Ibiza Greece that'll be pretty good ones <laughs> but my, my, you might have a bit more of a slope at Greece or Santorini than Lords but uh, <laughs> yeah somewhere in Europe it'd be good Spain but I think Vegas would be up there yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how much sleep we'd be getting. You know, it'd be entertaining. At the it'd, be, it'd be more lively than a five-hour bus trip from Manchester, I dare say. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No bus trips. <laughs> what are the, the mental and physical triggers that you've got to look out for when you switch between formats? That's, that's actually another tough question because you like to think that you can just switch from one to the other and you sort of all be okay. Mm. But there are certainly different skills that you have to work on as a bowler. Obviously, you know, with red ball cricket, you're just trying to, you know, hit somewhere around the top of off for you know, overs, spells, sessions, days on end and with subtle variations. Whereas, you know, white ball cricket, you're trying to go for as little amount of runs as possible. So, and that can be quite daunting at times, especially when you're um, in front of a full house in India somewhere and Rohit <laughs> or Hardik Pandya is going berserk. So, but sometimes it's often, I've found in recent times, getting the body right because you've got to work on things. You've got to be bowling, like ripping slow ball bounces. You've got to be getting your Yorkers in and, and, you know, it's not just rolling through and hitting the top of our off and going through going through your paces. So, but been exposed to that a lot now, so I feel like it's mm. almost sort of second nature. I, I feel like a, a few of the other guys would sort of be the same as well. One one I've got to ask because I just bumped into him in the corridor, <laughs> Stephen O'Keefe. Right, here we go. What do you think's coming? 
Oh, I don't know. It could be anything. Like, <laughs> I love soccer to death. This is why I love him so much. You never know what's going to come. Surfboard. Yeah. You bought his surfboard or borrowed it or I bought, took it? Uh, or? It cost me a bottle of wine. Um, oh, and I took two off him. One <laughs> of them's as big as a tinny and the other one I take out just to sort of fit in, but I can't actually stand up on it. So I can't imagine Stephen O'Keefe on a surfboard for starters. Oh, what, there was, was it of, used? Couple, uh, was it brand it had new? wax on it. Okay, yeah, but Will's like Will's wax. Sorry, <laughs> twice over his time at the Blues and the Sixers, where he's rocked up with a black eye. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, no, nah, just headbutted the surfboard. Oh I bullshit! Like, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm pretty sure your big yellow surfboard says soft flood on it. I don't know if like it's going to give you a black eye, but it probably just got into a row at the bar or something. I but, would say bouncer at the boat shed. Ooh. But <laughs> I did go for a surf down at Bondi. Yes. And I'm very much a, like I'm not a surfer. Like yeah. I can, I'd struggle, you know, standing up on a boat. But I did headbutt that soft flight surfboard, and I had a massive shiner the next day. Oh, so. did you? Okay. Yeah. So, so he wasn't lying. I had to go back and tell him, yeah, sorry, mate, for spreading rumours. But you know, this is from your surfboard as well. So are you going to give it back, or is it yours now? Absolutely not. It's mine. He's no. too big for it now. <laughs> he just spent two and a half months in Italy. He needs a few laps around the paddock. He needed two seats on the plane coming yeah. back. Yeah, that was a costly trip for him. It was a costly trip. Anyway, uh, BBL this season. Thoughts? Yeah, can't wait. I mean, last year hurt us quite a, a bit, if I'm honest. You know, we lost to the Heat in the, the Challenger or the Semi. Or, the one um, before the final. Yeah, and mm. we feel like we sort of match up with a lot of those blokes. I think we've got a great record against them, and they had a they had a shocking record here at the SCG. But we'd had some, you know, not issues with the pitch last year, but it was mm. um, it was tough work last year. Not many big, you know, high scores. Um, yeah, so that one in the change room after we lost that one was that hurt us quite a bit. So um, I think you know I've spoken to Silky just before and a few of the other lads, and I think there's. There's a fair bit of hunger in the belly to come back and, and play a bit better this year. So I think we've got definitely got some motivation. Because it's interesting how you, you talk about that. It like, means so much because to the fans, it's, you know, middle of summer, it's, mm. it's a bit of fairy floss, you know, a bit yeah. of fun. And you go yeah. home and you forget about the result almost the next day. Yeah. You just enjoy the experience. But for the players, it, it seeps in deeply. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say you train so hard for it or whatnot, but you do put in so much effort to go and, mm. you know, to win these games. And we have seen over the years how um, engaged our crowd here at the SCG has been. And to go out and, you know, sort of lose a match where we probably, we certainly felt like we should have won. Yeah, like I said, that that hurt quite a bit because, yeah, we match up quite well to those blokes. Got a good record against them. We've been in the final quite a bit. We've been obviously been very successful. So to not even mm. make the final last year is uh, was quite disappointing for us. But Socky's around again, so he might get you across the line. Well, that's the thing, mate. He's just can't string two games back to back, that bloke, but he's our best player. Well, he can. He just doesn't, chooses not to. Yeah, well, that's the thing, doesn't he? But uh, uh, Socky's been our best player for the Big Bash started. So um, I, I'd imagine he's going to have a pretty similar effect this year on and yeah. off the paddock. Batter you fear bowling to the most in the BBL? I'd, I'm honestly going to have to say Ashton Turner. I was having this conversation with someone, uh, it might have been Laurie Evans when I was over in the UK, because last year it felt like he wasn't in good, great form. But he, and he hadn't scored a heap of runs, but he comes out in a final or he comes out in these big games and he just runs teams off the paddock and mm. then he, he quite often ends up not out. And he did that to us the previous year at Marvel Stadium. You know, you look up at the scoreboard, he's 20 off 10. Doesn't look like he's barely played a shot, but he turns half runs into twos and he always ends up not out. So, yeah, he's one that I find really hard to, to bowl to and get out. And the bowler that's hardest to get away. <laughs> 
any spinner for me, I think. <laughs> Fart him out your backside and I'm going to miss it, I reckon. <laughs> well, hopefully no one farts it out of the backside for you consistently this summer, Sean. Good luck, no, mate. Give me the quicks. Yeah, Thanks for the chat. <laughs> Thanks. So that was Sean Abbott, um, Hads. Where do you reckon he sits in, in the pecking order? We spoke about this on Willow Talk earlier in the week a little bit, but he looks to be one of those guys who will be ready for an opportunity if one presents itself. Yeah, the, the one thing he's he's been consistent for a number of years, Sean Abbott. Um, he's led a, a disappointing New South Wales team for for a number of years, and I think that the one thing he's done better over the last couple of years is he's getting tough wickets. Uh, he's if you've seen the Big Bash, uh, they give the ball to him when they uh, they need a wicket or there's a explosive partnership happen. So he, he's doing all the tough work now in every team he plays. And and the one thing we're starting to see now, and I think we've missed for a big chunk of his career, but he's just starting to understand it now, is that explosiveness he has with the bat. He's starting to win games uh, with the bat. What he, what he did early in his career, he probably he, he left it up to the, the guy behind him or, or in front of him with the bat. He wasn't winning games. So he looks like he's got a lot more maturity in his batting. He understands his role now. Um, and he's winning games, and that's what you need from someone that comes in at eight or nine. So he's ready for an opportunity. Uh, he needs to get one soon um, mm. too, I think, because you've got guys like Jai Richardson, uh, Spencer Johnson, who we've seen uh, tonight also bowl really well to clean up the tail, and, and Lance Morrison sitting in the, the wings. So th- those guys are pretty special athletes, can bowl around at 150K. So... Yeah, Sean Abbott's there and thereabouts, uh, and he's doing everything right at the moment. But yeah, we'll, you just would like to see him at some stage get the Test match and, and hope that his time doesn't go past. Yeah, well, he's he's also helped Surrey get in a really good position to win the county championship. There's there's more games this weekend. He's obviously not going to make those, but um, yeah, he's he's done well there, and Surrey are doing well over there. Like a few of the Aussies, I think Peter Hanscom has got uh, Gloucestershire through to a, a final, a one day final as well. So. Good to see um, Pete still enjoying his cricket over in England. Um, Hads, that's us today. We'll be back next week to wrap up the T20 series, preview the five-match uh, one-day series, and also got a very, very, very special guest joining us next week. Any idea who? Uh, if it's very, very special, it's got to be one of the big, big boys in Australian cricket, and, and most of them are at home injured. So, mate, I'm not even going to try to guess, but I can't wait. It'll be an exciting show. But also what's been exciting is Mitch Marsh's first opportunity as captain, I thought he was outstanding. I thought his style was first class, uh, and his personality shone through with everything they did. So, great result for the Aussies. Yeah, great stuff from Australia. Uh, winning that's first T20 by 111 runs. Unlucky for the English, not luck for Australia. It was just brilliant cricket. And yeah, that guest next week had. So I'm not going to plug it just in case he doesn't show up. But it's a good guest. So yeah, um, mate, have a good weekend. We'll speak to you on the other side. Cheers, mate. Stay safe. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to Willow Talk. Great result for Australia's men in the T20. First one overnight in South Africa.